0: intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, the comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and ginstevens.com Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, aka it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration and electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean without unnecessary fillers and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because elements new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint chocolate, chai and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time. So you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other element electrolytes. That's right. You can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share elements with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash
1: to get your free electrolytes. New customers can use the code cleanforall for all 20 for 20% off their first order. BeautyCounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number two hundred
0: and fifty-seven of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon and I'm here with Jen
2: Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? Well, it is a beautiful day. I've been sitting out in the sun. I actually read something really interesting the other day, which might explain why I have so, have had more trouble sleeping lately and why I sleep so much better at the beach.
0: Is it grounding? No.
2: <laughs> it's sunlight. And of course, we all know that when you go out in the sun, you, it increases your vitamin D levels, right? But it also affects your melatonin production. You probably knew that already. I'd never thought about the sunlight and melatonin. And so, you know, I've got low vitamin D. Level. I just had inside tracker. I just had my blood work done. Oh, you did? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find anything interesting? Well, my vitamin D level is really low. <laughs> but, but I had been really struggling to sleep. But I was like, why am I all of a sudden having such a hard time sleeping? Well, it's been winter. I haven't been outside. I haven't been getting sun. I've been very, very busy. So the past couple of days I've been going outside and now that the weather's warming up, I've been purposefully going out and getting sun. And last night I slept great. Nice. I know. I just, you know, I think we hear about the sun and vitamin D so much that you think that's all the sun is doing, right? <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it with melatonin production.
0: Yeah. It really regulates the rhythm of your melatonin release, getting that, that
2: sun early in the morning. Yep. So... Getting that sun, I'm, I'm getting out there. But that explains, like I said, why I always sleep so much better at the beach, or that might be part of it, because I get a lot more sun when I'm at the beach. Very exciting. It is exciting. Oh, can I also tell you something else? I had a, I am going to throw up, I have ruined everything moment yesterday. Oh, my God, it was the worst. JenStevens.com disappeared. <laughs> it was gone. I was trying to redirect. You know how we had the social network, the Delayed on Deny social network, dddsocialnetwork.com, and that didn't work out well with the technology. So, we moved it to Circle. So, now we have the Delayed on Deny community, but it's a separate platform. But and the web address is different. We had dddsocialnetwork.com for the one that we left. We left them in, in September, but it was still kind of hanging out there and so I was like, I need to redirect that site in case, you know, people ever go back and try to find it. We had like some some final words there, but we're going to lose the access to it because it's been a year. We had a year contract with them. So it's going to disappear. So I'm like, all right, well, if it disappears, I need it to redirect. <laughs> so I'm in Weebly trying to redirect dddsocialnetwork.com. So it goes to jenstevens.com. And somehow, I don't know what I did, but jenstevens.com was gone. Wow. And I was freaking out, like all the content, like it, it suddenly was like, get started and publish your website. I'm like, what, what, what? How long was it down for? It was not down very long. I got on chat with tech support for Weebly. They were fantastic. So if anyone is thinking about starting a website, Weebly was great. They're really, it's an easy website builder, but I was like, oh my God, I've lost all the content. He sent me a screenshot. He's like, you mean this content? I'm like, oh, my God, hallelujah, it's somewhere. So I don't know, but he fixed it. Ah, oh, I thought I was going to die. I use GoDaddy for our sites. I also love
0: GoDaddy. But I've had, you know, quite a few panic calls with GoDaddy where
2: it's like, talk me off the ledge. <laughs> like, the website is somewhere. It's somewhere. And he was able to also help me fix it so that it does redirect. If you try to go to dddsocialnetwork.com, it does redirect to Jenstevens.com now. <sighs> anyway, I was like really freaking out. But can you imagine if you lost everything? Like for your website, all the everything.
0: Does Weebly have the backups and everything? Apparently.
2: <laughs> Thank the Lord, because <laughs> anyway... Oh, my God, it was the worst. So what's up with you? Anyway, it was actually the best because they fixed it. And now you know that there are backups. Exactly. But I never want to touch the back end of all that. That technology, man, it's hard. I don't understand it. And they start saying things like, you know, anyway, just the word redirect is hard enough. Now, I mean, I understand a redirect, honestly, but there's just there's a lot going on. Every time we've switched platforms for
0: our show... I've been so nervous. There's been moments where I was convinced that we lost because we recently switched platforms a few weeks ago for this show. And there was a moment where I thought we lost like half our episodes. Did you know that happened? <laughs> I didn't know. You thought you
2: lost half the episodes. No.
0: Yeah. Half of them stopped showing up on all the platforms. I was like, what is happening? Our host was like that. Yeah, this sometimes happens if like they didn't, something about didn't finish importing. And I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> like, they're gone but all is well, all is well.
2: Well, yeah, all is well if you don't lose everything. That's all I'm saying. But if you do, you can just start afresh. Well, I don't want to start afresh. <laughs> I do not want to start afresh with my website, no. Anyway, I was like imagining I was going to have to do it. I was like, I'm never going to sleep again. I'll be rebuilding my website. But okay, I didn't have to. If that happened, I would, I would just hire somebody out to... F- See, I've got all the blog posts that I had written, they would have been gone. The content, exactly. I mean, I could rebuild it. Weebly's easy to build on. I would not hire someone out. I mean, I built it the first time. I could rebuild it, but I don't want to. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I do not want to. Anyway, good times. Anything new with you? Just all the normal things. We are
0: getting closer to our final formulation for our magnesium for my next Avalon X supplement. So that's really exciting. It's a matter of figuring out which forms to put in and which amounts. And there are so many different magnesiums. So yeah, that's the main thing. And then still I'm working on the (laughs) EMF blocking product line and then also working on
2: a pet food line. You really are? You're like going forward with the pet food? Hmm. Very cool. Yep. And then just the shows. So life is good. Yeah. Well, you know, the more, the busier you are, the more you get done. That's what I've always found. And
0: it's just, just fun. I just love doing all, all the things. I'm just so grateful that you get to like wake up and work on things that we love. Exactly. And not
2: have to report to anybody. I think it's really nice. Like being your own boss. That's huge. Cause, you know, I, I was a teacher for 28 years. And so, Very much not my own boss. So that was, that was, you know, I loved it and I was good at it. But that last year when I really realized how much I wanted to be doing that I couldn't do because I was, I felt stuck to the job all of a sudden. After never feeling that way, I all of a sudden did. Yeah. So that must have felt really freeing for you. So freeing. Grateful, ever grateful. Do not take it for granted. Oh, no, not for one
0: second. So. Shall we jump into everything for today?
2: Yes, let's get started.
0: All right, so very short question to start things off. This comes from John. The subject is caffeine pills and John says, "I can't drink black coffee. Is it okay to take a caffeine pill upon waking instead?"
2: Well, you can. <laughs> it, you know, when we think about something like a like a a pill, of any kind. They're all going to have fillers and stuff in there. So, you know, your caffeine pill is going to have fillers in there. I feel like for me, if I was not going to drink coffee, I would just like not, I would wean myself off of caffeine. I, I don't know. I don't think I would need caffeine. Like I, I enjoy coffee, the experience of coffee. Personally, I, I wouldn't want to put like a caffeine pill every day into my body. I would just wean myself off caffeine. And But yeah, you can if you want to. But I probably wouldn't, but you can. Is that the like the worst answer in the history of answers, Meldy No, not at all. I actually went through a caffeine pill phase. Did you? Were you taking it for caffeine benefits, like adding extra caffeine? I was taking it because
0: I, it was probably right after college. And in college, I was drinking so much coffee. And so I wanted to have a way I could control my caffeine intake and not cuz you know with the coffee it's like you can just keep drinking coffee and so i wanted to like switch over and like just have a a dosage a pill and then like be done for that morning pep in your step so jin just said this but you know can you or is it okay yes it is okay you probably would want to look at the other ingredients in the pill i would look at the why for why you want the caffeine so if you want the caffeine
2: I know you say you don't drink coffee. Well, it doesn't like black coffee. Actually, now that I mentioned that part, I think John could drink black coffee. That's what I would do. I would just retrain those taste buds, John. Yeah. So a lot of the proposed benefits for coffee are due
0: to the caffeine, but a lot of the benefits are found in decaf as well. And a lot of the benefits aren't necessarily even from the caffeine. They could be from polyphenols and the plant compounds in coffee. You're not going to get all of those benefits from a caffeine pill. And also the way your body handles the caffeine. I think we talked about this in an episode a while ago, but the curve of how your body processes the caffeine is different when it's in coffee or tea form versus caffeine pill. So the caffeine pill tends to be like a much bigger spike and drop compared to coffee and tea, which is a more gentle slope.
2: And likely has more beneficial effects throughout the whole body. Exactly. Yeah. Because so much of what's good about the coffee is not just the caffeine. Yes.
0: You know what's so interesting though is I just think it's so interesting how, especially in the plant polyphenol world, how people attribute... Different things to the benefits. Like, so many people will say the polyphenols in plant compounds and coffee are working because of this reason. So, like, like the cert food guy diet would say it's all about the sirtuins. But then I just interviewed Stephen Gundry and he talks about polyphenols. But for him, it's all about the mitochondrial uncoupling. And people have different reasons for why it works. But I guess it doesn't change the
2: fact that. Good things are happening. And they do so many things we don't even know. Like, that's the thing. It's kind of like, for example, you know, like beta carotene and carrots, right? People are like, oh, carrots are good for you. It's because of the beta carotene. But then when they made a beta carotene supplement, it didn't have the expected effects the same way like a carrot would. It's just because there's also thousands of other compounds inside that carrot. We've identified this one, but that doesn't mean it's the magic compound. Mm Exactly. Exactly. I feel like that's a long-winded answer. So the answer is yes, but <laughs> yes, and maybe there's a better option. And I really do want to go back to what John said, because I think I'm getting the psychology of it now. Like I read, when I read it again, I can't drink black coffee from John. And the reason he wants to take the caffeine pill, I'm now assuming, I'm reading more into this question, He's used to drinking coffee, just not black coffee. So now that he knows it needs to be black to fast clean, he's like, well, that's a deal breaker. I just am going to quit coffee. And so, John, I want to tell you my story about this. I was the same way. When I read the obesity code and realized that stevia would cause you to have a cephalic phase insulin response, and I wanted to keep my insulin low during the fast, and so it was counterproductive to drink stevia in my coffee all morning long that wasn't good for me. So I was like, well, I can't drink black coffee. So I guess it's no coffee for me. And I quit coffee for just a few days. (laughs) And then I realized I missed coffee. I liked the act of drinking coffee. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to hold my nose and suck it up and I'm going to drink my coffee black. And I did. And I adjusted so quickly that the old me probably wouldn't have believed that it would happen so quickly. Your taste buds really do change. So if you think you can't drink black coffee because you're used to drinking it with stuff in it, if you like the smell of coffee and you've enjoyed coffee in the past, then you can train your taste buds to like black coffee too. And I really think it opened up my taste buds, my palate to the point that now I can tolerate a lot more bitter foods that I used to find to be really like yucky. Now. I think my taste buds have had like a whole remodel. And so now I don't mind so many other foods that used to bother me. Anyway, I have a question for you about this. We talk about the importance of the clean fast and
0: the black coffee. Let's say a person really only likes drinking coffee, you know, super steviaed up, super creamed up. Would you prefer or suggest if they are open to tapering down? So like doing slightly less cream, slightly less stevia, you know, and and tapering down over a few weeks, would you suggest that or would you suggest not?
2: Well, it's just going to make it harder in the long run. You think it's making it easier? The tapering? Well, it's going to also, you're not going to be fast and clean. It's going to make your fast harder. It's going to make your fast really hard. I just know from what I've heard from so many people, even if it was just my own experience, okay, my own experience was... When I switched to the clean fast, I could not believe the difference in myself. But if it was only my study of one, you know, obviously that's just me. But I've also heard it literally from thousands of people. It makes such a difference. My recommendation is not to taper or drag it out because you're only making it harder. It, you just bam, you just do it. And then it gets, it just, your taste buds will change. I just find this so interesting. I think we have the same thoughts
0: about this concept, but flip for food versus fasting. So like for fasting, I don't know. I haven't really thought about this. So what do you mean? I don't I don't know what you mean. So I feel like for fasting, I think if a person felt comfortable with the tapering approach with fasting, that's what I would maybe advocate for with the food, I feel like I would rather
2: just go all in. Rather than like taper with the food approach, but see you're more all in with the food anyway, or I am not see I'm ish with my food, I'm cleanish i i don't I don't ascribe to a very you know regimented eating style, so the end point would be different right now I'm not trying to get to a regimented eating style. I appreciate that some people feel better on a lot of different eating styles, some of which are regimented, <laughs> but i, I don't want to or feel better that way. So yeah, but that was an interesting thought. Yeah, different endpoint. I just know that from what I've heard from people, you know, like Dr. Fung and his group, they call them, I think they call them crutches. Like, you know, when you're putting cream in your coffee, they call it a crutch and you're like, you wean yourself off of it. We've actually found with people, it just, it actually makes it harder. So you think that it's helping you, you think this, it's making it easier for you to transition, but it actually is delaying your transition. And and making it more likely that you'd be like, I hate fasting, it's so hard. If you just, from day one, fast clean, it's just such a difference. I've just heard it, you know, in my community, because I'm like, so like clean fast. Working with lots of new fasters over the years, you know, thousands and thousands of them. The number of people who have said, you know, this is what I used to do, and then I switched to what you said to do, and oh my gosh, the difference. It's just, I've heard it a lot of times. I really think it makes a difference. So that's what I would recommend. I wonder if they've done any studies on the timeline of people's taste buds changing. With coffee or just in general? Probably in general. We've talked about one before. I remember us talking about something at some point where we, like how quickly your taste buds turn over. It's faster than you think. I can't remember what we said, but I know it was years ago we talked about this very topic.
0: Ooh, I want to read this study. I just Googled it briefly. This one's called Understanding the Role of Bitter Taste Perception in Coffee, Tea, and Alcohol Consumption through Mendelian randomization. Mm. (laughs) Put that on the to read list. (laughs) Good times.
2: Okay. Okay. So you can do it, John. (laughs) You can, John. You can drink black coffee. (laughs) All right. Or you can have a caffeine pill, but I wouldn't. We have a question from Josephine and the topic is, Lots of topics with questions, glycogen, dietary fat, hypoglycemia, stevia, dirty fasting, and hunger. She says, Dear Jen and Melanie, as an avid longtime listener, I have stockpiled my most persistent nagging questions for you after listening to every one of your podcasts and still not finding the answers. I would so appreciate you giving some thought to my questions as I cannot find clear answers to them no matter how deep a rabbit hole I dive with research. Most of these questions stem from the intriguing information I have culled from wearing a CGM for the last several weeks. For context, I am slightly dirty fasting about 14 to 16 hours every day. Josephine, you're getting my teacher look. I'm looking at you with it right now. She says, and I have been off and on for the past year. I took a five-month break from clean fasting to follow the Ray Pete bioenergetic diet as I was feeling sluggish and low energy at one point while clean fasting The first few months of clean fasting, I felt great, lost all the weight, but then stopped sleeping well and found out I was hypothyroid, at which point I read Ray Pete's philosophy and thought I'd try it. I did feel good not fasting and following the bioenergetic way of eating, breakfast upon awakening, orange juice and milk between meals for adrenals, avoiding high fiber vegetables, etc., but I gained a ton of weight and hated in the end feeling heavier So I went back to fasting and listening to you guys and dropped the weight and felt better. Only this time I added stevia and a teeny splash of milk in my coffee. So I enjoyed my life more. Maybe I'm weird, but black coffee is so depressing to me. I can't sustain fasting like that for my whole life.
0: Here it is again. (sighs) (laughs) So
2: now that's what I do. 14 to 16 hours of dirty-ish fasting. And when I ate, it was mostly lean proteins and fruits and vegetables. I got the CGM because I wanted to understand what amount of food and combination of macronutrients during my eating window would allow me to feel satisfied but not gain weight. Here are my questions.
0: Can I jump in really quick? I was just going to talk about what, so people know what the Ray Pete diet is a little bit.
2: And I also want to talk about the dirty fasting and what I, what my philosophy about that. But go ahead and talk about Ray Pete first.
0: eventually want to order so you never miss out and if you really like something and want to keep it you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price friends i'm obsessed this is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to Melanie to sign up free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking, honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'scloset.com. I'm very familiar with Ray Pete. I find his work very fascinating. And he doesn't really have like a diet. Like he doesn't ever say, this is what you do. It's more he, it's a collection of philosophy that he's written about. And there are a lot of forums and people have kind of come up with His takeaways and created this repeat diet. The way I found his work is because I kept Googling what I was eating. So he's not a fan of fasting, but I kept Googling the types of foods I was eating and I kept coming back to repeat. So basically the foods I eat are very repeat-ish. So that said, he does advocate things like orange juice and even sugar and (laughs) Coca-Cola. He's for a a low fiber, low residue, running on glycogen and glucose, high, less inflammatory protein. So fish, he loves fruit. He loves dairy. He's all about like stroking the metabolism. Did you mean stoking? Both? Stoking, stroking? Is it not
2: stroking? Is it stoking? stoking, stroking, I don't understand stroking the metabolism. Maybe that's a thing. I don't know about stroking the metabolism, but stoking the metabolism is like firing it up. Is that what you meant? That is what I mean. You're stoking it. I want to see if anybody says that, stroking the metabolism. Here's a funny story. We are not going to edit this out, by the way. Here's the funny story. People, all the really intelligent people all the time use words wrong. Here's an example. Chad, my husband, PhD, very smart guy. He thought the phrase was "Don't take me for granted. granite," G R A N I T E. All his life, he thought it was "Don't take me for granite" instead of "Granted." When did he have that? I mean, I don't know. It's been in the past couple years. He's like, "Wait, it's what?
0: It's what?" So, I would love to know because I'm sure there are tons of things like that for everybody. Like, what are the three biggest things for me personally where I would just be like, "What?" <laughs> Stoking the metabolism. <laughs> Yes. He's all about that. Uh, but what's really interesting is, so you can do his approach and I think lose. he says this because I've Googled this. He says, if you want to lose weight on his approach, like you got to do the low fat version. So you got to eat the low fat foods. Oh, he he loves coconut oil too. If you do it eating the higher fat foods that he advocates, so like the high fat dairy and... I mean, it's a lot of high fat dairy. A lot of people do gain weight. And I don't think it's so much about Ray Pete's approach causes weight gain as much as how does your version of Ray Pete manifest? And are you doing a type that encourages weight gain or encourages weight loss? All of that to say is I think you can eat Ray Pete foods and lose weight and still get the benefits.
2: I think I would feel so terrible if I tried to eat all that sugary stuff. I don't do well with just, I don't do well with that. I don't eat the the sugar all of that. The foods I eat that are very way-peaty is I eat a ton of like
0: fish, scallops. He likes fruit vegetables, so I can eat the cucumbers, fruits. He thinks a lot of fiber is irritating to the gut, so not eating a ton of veggies and things like that. Yeah, he's like the opposite of what I eat. <laughs> It's funny. Yeah,
2: he probably is
0: like completely. Yeah, I think so. I was just going
2: to clarify that. So go ahead. About the dirty fasting, I'm really proud of bringing the terminology clean fast to the world because that happened in our Facebook group. We created the words fast and clean, the clean fast back in probably around 2017. It was after I wrote delayed on deny. But then we started using the words. We needed something to talk, you know, a way to differentiate what we were doing versus, you know, what you might find in other fasting groups. So we're like, we want you to fast clean. And so we started using that terminology. And now it's everywhere. People are using it. But when you say clean fasting, that implies there must be the opposite of that, meaning dirty fasting. But I genuinely believe you're either fasting clean or you're not fasting. So I love that we brought the terminology clean fasting to the world But I really don't like the terminology dirty fasting, because to me, if you're fasting clean, then you are, you know, you're you're not eating food, for example, or taking in energy or all of that. So that being said, if you're having milk, for example, that is not fasting. It's food. Milk is food. And so you're doing a low-calorie diet when you're having a little bit of milk here, a little bit of milk there, a little bit of milk. That is a very, very low-calorie diet. Can you lose weight that way? Yes. We've all lost weight on low-calorie diets. You could just have milky coffee all the time. And I'm not talking, obviously, about Josephine. But, I mean, just in general, hypothetically, someone could just drink you know, milky coffee all day long if it's as, as a low-calorie diet. But, but it's definitely food. Dairy is nature's perfect food for a mammal baby, right? We all feed our, our baby, all mammals feed their babies some kind of milk. So it's it's food that's created for the period of time when you are growing the most. Like, think about that. When are, are creatures growing the most? When they're babies and they're growing. So to me, that's the last thing you would really want to take in during the fast is, is dairy. Anyway, so I really don't like the terminology dirty fasting just because it, it, first of all, it makes it feel like it's a choice. Well, I do a little dirty fasting, but it's no big deal. I really think you're not fasting if you're doing that. You know, the same thing with the stevia. Your goal is to keep your insulin low. You know, we've got three goals for the clean fast. Number one is keep your insulin low. Why? Why do we want to keep our insulin low? Well, it's because, you know, if you've read Benjamin Bickman's book, Why We Get Sick, High levels of insulin are linked to so many of our problems, our health conditions that are just rampant. And also, insulin is anti-lipolytic, meaning it keeps you from tapping into your fat stores effectively. So now let's think about you're having this, this stevia in there that's keeping your insulin raised. Because you know, Dr. Fung taught that when I gave up my stevia, it was because I read in the obesity code that stevia actually caused your body to release more insulin than table sugar. Jason Fung said that in the obesity code. i like highlighted it and took a screenshot of it. And I'm like, what? So I certainly wouldn't put sugar, table sugar in my coffee. So why would I want to raise my insulin more? Because high levels of insulin keep your body from tapping into your fat stores. as well. Like I said, it's anti-lipolytic, anti-fat burning. So I'm like, there is no no reason why I would want my insulin to go up. When I'm fasting, I want my insulin to go down because I want to tap into fat stores. Okay, so fasting goal one, keep insulin low. Fasting goal two, tap into your fat stores by not adding anything that's energy for the body. That would be whether you're adding, you know, your MCT oil or your butter or anything like that. So you don't want to do that either. And we also want to keep autophagy going strong. And, you know, protein affects autophagy. And, I mean, there's a little bit of protein in milk. So I would really encourage you to rethink what you're doing. You're fasting, in my opinion, until you have that stevian milk. Then your window is open and now you're low calorie dieting. So keep that in your mind. And it made me kind of sad the way you said, I'm trying to find it in the question, that the black coffee was so depressing that you can't sustain fasting like that for your whole life. I would encourage you to make a mindset shift. Because as long as you think I can't enjoy my life if I'm drinking black coffee. It's so depressing. I can't sustain fasting like that for my whole life. That's what you're telling yourself. That's the story your brain is telling you. But what if you flip the switch and said, I want to have low levels of insulin because that is healthier for my body. And I want to get all the benefits of the clean fast. And I want to tap into my fat stores because I have low levels of insulin and I'm not taking in milk. And that is what I want to do for my whole life doing it for the health reasons. And if you made that mental shift and went to the black coffee, and instead of thinking of it like, oh, this is so depressing. I can't believe I'm drinking this terrible black coffee. If you're like, wow, I'm drinking this because it's, it's a much better choice for, for health for me. If you could just flip that switch and realize you want the benefits from fasting, fast clean. So I'm going to encourage you to, to really do that. And I think it's life-changing. Do you have anything to add to that, Melanie? Just that that is going to be very helpful for the
0: question she asks a little bit later. I'm glad that you said all of that.
2: And it also goes along with the you know the question that we had a minute ago from John, the black coffee. All right, so we're ready to keep going with the questions. All right, she said, in the beginning, my blood sugar levels were 70 to 80 while fasting. Whenever I ate, they would rise and fall quickly to below my fasting blood sugar levels. So reactive hypoglycemia, What would you say? Would you say that's reactive hypoglycemia? Probably,
0: yes. So basically, reactive hypoglycemia is where when you eat, your body releases insulin, but it releases more insulin than is needed. It's too effective in a way. So then your blood sugar drops below what it was prior to eating.
2: So, okay, so it goes on to say, this was interesting because it helped me understand why I was never satisfied after starting to eat. So I upped my dietary fat intake and was pleased to find out that it helped the reactive hypoglycemia and level of satisfaction. So yes, that is true. You know, that's one thing that really I learned during the, the I mean, I knew this already, but doing the ZOE testing was how it changed things when you combine different foods. Like it made a huge difference. And I, I mean I knew that if I ate like, for example, a plain baked potato with nothing on it, that I would feel a crash later. But if I put butter and sour cream, then the fat helps the way your body processes those those quick acting carbs. And then it's steady and you don't have that crash. But it was interesting to see it right there in Zoe to see the numbers change. Like here's what a plain potato is. Now you add this butter to it and it like increases the score for my body anyway so that makes a lot of sense so the way i'm interpreting this melanie in the beginning this means like probably back when she was fasting clean she used to fast clean and in the beginning her blood sugar levels were 70 to 80 while fasting i think that's important so then here's the next part of that question however now my fasting blood sugar the next day remains in the 90s and the hundreds literally all day I never want to open my wheat eating window when the levels are so high like that. Does this mean I don't clear fat well? I don't want to gain weight by eating if my glycogen levels are never depleting enough, yet I also don't want to go back to low fat and find myself hypoglycemic and hungry all the time. What to do? Now, I'm so curious what not clearing fat would have to do with blood sh- Maybe she means because she ate fat yesterday?
0: Yeah, so what she's saying is, so when she was doing low fat, like really low fat, she would have a reactive hypoglycemic response, So, and she would still be hungry. But the next day, she would have lower fasting blood sugar levels. When she added fat, she didn't get that reactive hypoglycemic response. She felt more satisfied. But the next day, she had higher
2: fasting blood sugar levels. Well, So I'm curious if if one of these was done with clean fasting and one of them was not. Because, you know, she said she did do clean fasting, then she stopped doing clean fasting. She went back to fasting. I think she's been doing her version of
0: like the dirty fasting through all of this because she says she was doing repeat. And then when she went back to fasting, that she did it with the stevia and the tiny splash of milk. I think that's been consistent from what I'm reading.
2: Okay. So when she says in the beginning, she's talking about recently.
0: Yeah. So the timeline I'm, I'm getting from this, what it sounds like is she did clean fasting then she did rape, then she went back to fasting but she did it with the dirty-ish fasting milk and stevia yeah and then but so the beginning of her return to fasting was low fat she's having reactive hypoglycemia then she went to a higher fat no more reactive hypoglycemia but she has higher fasting blood sugar levels the next day that's the that's the timeline i'm, I'm Getting from this,
2: we'll we'll assume that's what it is.
0: Feel free to let us know, Josephine, if it's not. But I I do have thoughts on this. Do you want me to jump in? Yep. So, yes, this is what is seen, and so I'm actually I'm really fascinated by this because a lot of people say adding fat to a meal reduces the blood sugar spike of the meal, which is true. However, what is often not accounted for is the longer term effect, which has, I've read studies on this, and this is what Josephine is experiencing, and that it can create a longer, higher blood sugar. That's like a
2: much longer timeline. It's like slow release. It becomes slow release instead of like, bam. Mm -hmm. And so it's longer. So rather than like being like up and down, it's not as high up. But
0: then it's longer. Carrying into the next day, so that's quite a while. So the next day, she's seeing that she's having all day these higher blood sugar levels. I do think it's the fat that is causing that. And I I do think that, you know, she's saying that her glycogen levels aren't depleting enough, which is likely happening. So I would keep tweaking to find what works for you because I I think in your head, it, it sounds like you think it has to either be like this super low fat or this higher fat version. And I think there are two options here. I would maybe try, I don't know how you are adding the dietary fat. So were you actually adding fat, like pure fat, which would be like oils, butter, things like that, if that's how you were adding it, I would maybe add it through more whole food versions. So instead of oils and butter, just having maybe fat. Cause she's oh yes, yes. Cause she's eating lean proteins, fruits and vegetables. So this is what I would try, Josephine. I'm very excited. If you're upping the fat was adding oils and butter, I would not add oils and butter. I would eat fattier cuts of meat. So I instead of eating the lean protein, just have more whole foods fattier protein. I would try that. I would see if that works. Another thing you could try is not upping the fat, upping the protein because protein can have a Really beneficial effect on satiety and on regulating blood sugar regulation. So instead of trying to fix it with the fat approach, you could try to fix it with the protein approach. So those are the two things I would try and I would just keep tweaking and I would keep using a CGM until you find the approach that works for you. So like I, cause Josephine, we actually follow a very similar diet. It sounds like because I eat mostly lean proteins, fruits and vegetables, although my vegetables are cucumbers, I will have the same response. If I go like higher fat by adding in fat like oils or butter, I will have higher resting blood sugars the next day. But if I add in just fattier cuts of meat, so like salmon, maybe adding in some more like red meat and things like that, I can mitigate all of this. So that's what I would try.
2: I would also, again, I'm I'm going back to fast and clean because we haven't talked about the fact that when you're putting milk in your coffee, that milk the milk breaks down and the sugar in your bloodstream. So some of that might be coming from that milk. So anyway, just to, <laughs> FYI, milk can absolutely cause cause your blood sugar to go up. So if you see what happens, leaving the milk out, see how that affects your your readings. If the milk was consistent
0: through all of it, then it probably is more the dietary shift that created it. But
2: that said, Stop adding stuff in during the day and that will, yeah. It could be that if you do the black coffee, then it, it resolves it without having to exactly change what you're eating. Yeah, I just know my blood sugar. I mean, we're all different with the way we our bodies clear the fat and the blood sugar and all that. So my experience may not be the same as someone else's. But from wearing a CGM briefly, what I found was when I woke up in the morning, my blood sugar was a certain amount. Oh, by the way, before coffee, of course, it was lower. And then after coffee, it goes up. So when I just had my inside tracker results, my fasted blood glucose was 86 when I woke up. I'm really curious. When did you have it tested? Like in the morning or? Yeah, it was in the morning. I'd been up. I'd already showered. I'd been moving around. And we know that our, it goes up and down. But generally in the morning, whenever I was wearing the CGM, I would notice after coffee, it would go up and be you know, in, in that 90 range for a little while while I was drinking my coffee. And then eventually, mid-morning, it would go down into the 70s. And then I would have like, like right when it was going down is when I would have a mild wave of hunger. Like That's how I knew. Like, oh, I'm having a mild wave of hunger. And then I would check the CGM. And sure enough, that's when it was going down. And then it would stay in the 70s the rest of the time. So it was fascinating to see. Here's Actually, maybe when I was sleeping, I'm trying to remember. Maybe when I was sleeping, it was like, 870s 80s, I don't know. But then after the coffee, it would go up. So after coffee, it went up. And that was, you know, my body dumping out the glycogen from my liver and the coffee helps with that. But then mid-morning, boom, back down. And then it would stay in the 70s the whole rest of the time that I fasted. And it was very steady. It didn't go up and down, up and down, up and down. It just stayed there. Understanding what the coffee was doing was important, but that's why this time when I had the inside tracker, I was like, well, I'm not going to drink coffee till after they come because I want to see what it's doing, you know? And sure enough, the last time I'd had fasted blood work, I drank coffee beforehand because I didn't even think about the glycogen dump. And then I'm like, why did I drink that coffee? I I just wasn't even paying attention. And really, it was when I wore the CGM that I was like, okay, it really does make a huge difference. So, and it did. And so I really wanted to try to see what it was, what the fasted blood sugar was, you know, without the coffee. And it was better. So,
0: was that your first time doing Inside Tracker? I just love Inside Tracker so much. It was not, it was the second time. We already talked about this before, but I got too high vitamin D often on my
2: Inside Tracker
0: because I've gone so intense on trying to raise my vitamin D. And what do you do to raise it? Supplement vitamin D every night, I take the thorn. D K2 blend. That's a supplement I want to make in the future is a, a vitamin D. And then I was doing like three minute really short EPB tanning sessions last winter. Not the, I haven't done them in a while. I stopped doing them
2: once I um realized my vitamin D was, was really high. I you know me and, and and supplements. I'm not, I'm not a supplement person. I'd rather get it, you know, from the sun. And so again, it's not just the sun doesn't just give us the vitamin D. It also helps with our melatonin. I'd never really, I mean, I may have heard that before, but it never really clicked with me. You know how you hear a lot of stuff and you're just like, whatever. And then all of a sudden one day it clicks. And I was like, oh, I'm not sleeping. Oh, my vitamin D is low. My melatonin is probably also low. Just, it just—it was the right time to read that after I'd had a very restless night sleeping. And and a lot of things just suddenly came together and suddenly I was ready for that information.
0: I think it has to do with the sunlight going into your eyes. I think so. I, I
2: 100% think so. I've heard that too. That affects the melatonin release. It like resets the clock. It really does. So going out, I mean, I've I've heard that before. That's not new information, but it just, I guess I needed to hear all that at the same time after just having gotten my vitamin D back and having trouble sleeping all at the same time. It was the right time for it to really be reinforced. I've actually been experimenting. Well, ever since reading
0: Dr. John Lawrence's melatonin miracle book and having him on the show, I've been very fascinated about melatonin. Then when I got COVID, I was really looking into the role of melatonin, helping that. And then when I when I did that moment, Jen, where I, you know, took like a whole bottle of melatonin by accident. And felt so good the next day. I've been really experimenting with supplemental melatonin. And then when I interviewed Dr. Steven Gundry and he talks about the mitochondrial uncoupling and the mitochondria, he was saying that the two master like antioxidants in your mitochondria that I forgot exactly what their role is, but they they are very, very helpful was melatonin and glutathione. So I've been experimenting supplementing with like supplementing with melatonin as a supplement.
2: It makes me feel hungover.
0: I don't, I don't feel good with it. Have you tried a
2: version that is not the like chewable, like flavored pills? Oh, I don't take chewable flavored pills. (laughs) Yes. I've tried several different versions, but I, I don't take chewable anything ever. Okay. But it just, I, every time I've ever taken it, it just made me feel hungover. Also, Benadryl makes me feel hungover. So, I mean, you know, my brain is weird about things. Benadryl can make me feel hungover, but it just knocks me out so well. Yeah. Not me. It makes me like wired. But interesting, you know, you were just talking about COVID. I remember early on we heard about, you know, vitamin D linked to COVID. And when people people who had low vitamin D levels had worse experiences with COVID. But then also the role of melatonin. And so it was really was it the vitamin D That was the problem or was it the melatonin because they go hand in hand. So that's where we can get the cause and effect wrong. We're like, oh, look, we can measure vitamin D. Their vitamin D is low. They must need vitamin D. Let's give them supplemental vitamin D when really that was just the marker for it. And it was really melatonin that was making the difference.
0: Oh, it's sort of like, so I was actually just emailing because I work a lot with Tracker, and I've been emailing them a lot because they make they do make one recommendation and it depends on so like when you get your results it's recommendations tailored to you so not everybody gets this recommendation but one of the recommendations that has to do with one of their biomarkers i think specifically hdl maybe it actually says to sleep less is the recommendation so i went and looked at all of the studies they were basing that off of and so what's interesting is like too much sleep in general so like sleeping more than is it 8 or 9 hours so sleeping more than is what is thought to be the healthy amount, is correlated to health issues. My big question for that is, like, is it sleeping more that's causing the health issues, or is it people who have
2: health issues are sleeping more, you know? Yeah, That's my brain went right there. I really think that's what's going on. It's like a study I heard and say one day on the radio years and years ago when my boys were little. They're like, children who are spanked are more violent. I'm like, or... Are children who are more violent likely to be spanked more? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We just, we tend to make the line this way when it could be the other way anyway. Exactly. So I keep telling them, I'm like, please, I've been, all they would have to change, I would just change it to get more quality sleep. That would still be the same recommendation in a way. It's just an example of why we have to be so careful because, you know, all that information about vitamin D levels and COVID, and everybody's like, oh, well, we need to supplement with tons of vitamin D. But really, maybe that wasn't the thing. It wasn't the vitamin D at all. It was the melatonin. And the type of people with more vitamin D may be the type of people who are Outside. Well, because generally that's the thing. It's hand in hand. And they noticed that COVID was hitting people worse in areas like, for example, Italy and New York, where it was, you know, they, they that's the period of the year where their vitamin D levels are lower because it's their latitude. You know, latitude is a factor. But along with latitude comes the, the strength of the sun's rays and how much vitamin D you're making. And But of course, melatonin is in there too. So anyway. Don't just start taking supplements when we don't really know what it is. (laughs) It's the moral of that story. It could be the totally wrong cause and effect. She says, also, I hesitated
0: to admit the stevia slash splash of milk in my coffee to you both because I know how adamant you are about clean fasting. Oh, she knows this well. She said, however, I don't understand one thing. If the idea is to avoid insulin production so the body doesn't go into fat storage mode, and a little bit of stevia and milk raises insulin, which causes a dip and for hunger levels to rise, what about people like me who do not feel hungry from stevia and milk in their coffee? I feel exactly the same, whether I drink it black or add the sweetener and milk, same level of hunger. So since it satisfies me and doesn't make me hungry, isn't it okay for me to have that tiny amount? Yes, it spikes insulin a little, but not that much. So the fat storing hormones are only present briefly. I'm not hungrier. And then they go away and I can continue to fast. So in that case, isn't it okay for me to have the stevia slash milk? How much of a problem does that little bit of stevia slash milk pose for my
2: desire to burn fat if it doesn't create a hunger issue for me? All right. Well, that's a faulty thought that if it doesn't make me hungry, then it's not breaking my fast. I've never once said, if something doesn't make you hungry, it's not breaking your fast. Now, I have said if you do find reactive hunger happening after something like cinnamon in your coffee, for example, that's a sign that it was. But the absence of the hunger doesn't mean it wasn't. Does that make sense? So do not use whether it makes you feel hungry or not to decide that something is okay. Only use that test to decide if something is not okay. So why would something cause you to be hungry and let you know it's not okay if it causes your blood sugar to crash? Now, you just said that your blood sugar is in the 90s and 100s. So your blood sugar is not crashing. Your blood sugar is steady in the 90s and 100s. So remember how I mentioned a minute ago how when I was wearing my CGM, I would notice that I would have a little wave of hunger and look at my CGM, and that was the moment that my blood sugar was dropping? Josephine, your blood sugar is not dropping. It's in the 90s or 100s because you're also having milk, which is keeping it up. So hunger is not the right metric here. There's really nothing you can measure to let you know how much insulin is, is going, going on in your body right now. But let's reframe that. Okay, so since you're saying if it doesn't create a hunger issue, it's not a problem. So we said before milk is food. It's food for mammals. So what if you had the equivalent of instead of milk, you're having a little bit of pizza, same, you know, amount of pizza, would that be fasting? I mean, it wouldn't. That's food. Just because it's liquid doesn't make it not food. So you wouldn't eat like, you know, Tic Tacs or something. I'm just you know thinking of things people might be eating or you wouldn't eat like a little bit of cheese and say, well, I eat this little bit of cheese and it's, It doesn't make me hungry. I feel like it's okay, but it's still eating, not fasting. Is the point I'm trying to make? Just because milk is a liquid, it's still food. So I don't, I don't know if I'm explaining that very well or not. But hunger is not the factor. It's just I I am never going to say it's okay to have food and and say that you're fasting. With one caveat, you have to take medication with food, and there's no other choice. You have to, and there it's over and done. Like you have your medication that must be taken with food, you have it, you're finished, you move on. But when you're drinking coffee with milk all morning long, it goes on and on and on and on and on. So, I am never going to say that that is is fasting and I just I just can't. So, you know, you're keeping your insulin up and you're you're having food and it's a low calorie diet. Eventually, you know, if your if your body is not tapping into your fat stores effectively, Because of that milk and that stevia keeping your insulin high, you know, consider that it might slow your metabolism because you're no longer well-fueled during the fast. So you might be, you know, this is hypothetical because we don't have, you know, a study where here's somebody who fasted clean and here's somebody who had stevia and milk. Let's see what their metabolisms did. But we know what happens with low-calorie diets over time and we know what happens to metabolic rate. So I would really encourage you to fast clean. That's all I can say.
0: Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, literally every single day of my life. I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy that includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, One of my good friends, who is a doctor, uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Is she still trying to lose weight or she said she lost all the weight? But then she gained it back.
2: She said she gained it back. Gained a
0: ton of weight.
2: Yeah, she took a five-month break from clean fasting and then she found out she was hypothyroid And then she gained a ton of weight and went back to fasting.
0: Dropped the weight and felt better second time around.
2: I agree that the clean fast
0: is the way to go. And the black coffee and the water is definitely the way to go. I am really interested about more of a hypothetical thought experiment question. I know she was talking just about literally hunger as the measure for whether or not it was breaking the fast. Something I do think about is Are there people at a maintenance place where they do have, you know, this little bit of stevia and milk? And I think maybe for some people long-term on the flip side of the clean fast, they might be happier having a different approach to fasting, but I don't think they will know that unless they have done the clean fast and really experience the clean fast and the
2: benefits of it. And I just can't help but think that the health benefits of the clean fast are going to be so much greater. And it's like, why are we doing it? Why are we fasting? We're fasting for all these things that happen during the fast. We want our insulin to be as low as it can be during the fast. I mean, obviously not, you know, we don't want it to be zero. It's never zero, but we want to keep our insulin down during the fast. And we want to encourage all these processes we want to encourage increased autophagy and so we got to remember why are we fasting and what why i mean if you want to do a low calorie diet that is okay but it isn't fasting is all i'm saying you know if someone wants to have stevia and milk all morning long and drink that and it works for them and they feel good but it's really not fasting is all that's all All I can say. It's just, it's not, I do not believe dirty fasting exists. You're either fasting clean or you're, you're not fasting. So here's an example. If you had to go have surgery and the doctor said, you need to be fasted for your surgery, would you put stevia and milk in your coffee? Or would the doctor say, you can't have that, that's not fasting? What would the doctor say?
0: So I think they would say no to the milk. They might be okay with the stevia. It's a thing where, It might be for some people the stevia doesn't affect their insulin. And so it's hard
2: for me to say. They actually, there was one of the studies I talk about in a blog post that I wrote about insulin response. Why doesn't everyone agree? And they actually found that people who are overweight and have struggled with their weight have a much more robust insulin response. Than other people. So we do have varying responses, just like fat clearance levels or blood sugar, you know, we have different responses to things. I'm so glad you said that. It does make sense that everyone would have a personalized insulin response too. But anyone who's ever struggled with their weight, they found in this study that they had a more pronounced insulin response. So anyone who's trying to lose weight, you probably have an exaggerated insulin response, which is even more reason for you to fast clean. You know, someone like Chad. Chad has never had a weight problem. His fasted insulin level, way lower than mine. He, just, he probably just doesn't release much insulin ever, which is probably one reason why he's never had trouble with his weight. His body doesn't store fat well because his insulin's really low.
0: Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think I find it so interesting with the artificial sweeteners and things like Stevia. Some people say
2: it releases insulin. Some people say it doesn't. I really honestly think it's personal. Well, really everything in our bodies is personal. Everything we've got going on is so different. But since we can't measure insulin, see, wouldn't that be nice if we could? If we could all measure our insulin levels all the time, we could manipulate what we're doing to keep them at a low level, but we can't. And that's why it's complicated. And I think it's an interesting thought
0: experiment, but I don't think we can have an answer to it. But like I could see a situation where there's a person who with stevia Literally does not affect
2: their insulin. Versus Jason Fung cited a a study that showed that stevia, in general, caused a greater release of insulin overall average than sugar, white sugar. So but there could be someone if you think about that normal curve distribution for everything i mean i remember learning about that in high school i guess and it was fascinating like even like the number of leaves on a tree follows a normal distribution and how many hairs on your head or <laughs> iq or shoe size they all follow that normal distribution so that means there's always someone on the low end and someone else on the high end of like everything someone is going to release a ton more insulin Whereas most people be in this average section, but then there'll be people down there on on the left of that normal curve that release like none. But you can't measure it and know which you are. True so not, you'd be like, I hope I'm down here, or so I'm just going to do it and hope I'm down there, or that I wouldn't do that. Exactly. So it's like it's
0: a really interesting thought experiment. It's really hard to practically draw conclusions
2: about. Man, I wish we could measure it. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: I was just thinking how how cool it would be if there was a CGM that was like your a constant insulin.
2: A C-I-M, yeah. Yeah, continuous insulin monitor. That would be fab. Honestly, that would be amazing because, you know, ever since I read, I, th- I think it was written by a nurse practitioner. I can't remember. It was when I was writing Fast Feast Repeat. It was a journal article about hyperinsulinemia. And the nurse who wrote it said, we are measuring the wrong thing by measuring A1C and tracking that. We should be looking at patients fasted insulin level because that's the leading indicator. And if we knew when that started to go up, that precedes when you start having blood sugar problems. Well, we don't know. Nobody knows. But once that insulin starts to go up, and again, reading, you know, why we get sick by Benjamin Bickman, same thing. That high insulin, if you could just get that insulin under control, like that really seems to be like such an important health marker. So I would encourage you, Josephine, read Why We Get Sick by Benjamin Bickman, and then you're not going to want to risk your insulin being any higher than it, than it could be. That's my recommendation. Fast, clean, Josephine. I'm just going to do new Fast, clean, Josephine. So Josephine has one more
0: question. She says, what are the ways in which we can measure what will cause hunger? Blood glucose levels, insulin levels, leptin levels. I honestly got the CGM just to see if I could correlate my glucose levels with my hunger levels. I hate when I am really full and still want to keep eating. Dietary fat seems to be most successful in keeping my hunger at bay, but as I said before, it causes me to have higher glucose levels and less effective fat burning and fasting mode. A high-carb, super low-fat diet works best for me to burn fat, but I sleep terribly and am hungrier far more frequently. Thank you for tackling my wild and complex questions.
2: I love, love the two of you, and you better never go off the air. Josephine. Well, thank you, Josephine. You know, the way to measure what causes hunger is just to feel your hunger. (laughs) There's nothing you can measure to see what will cause hunger. You just have to listen to your body because it's way too complicated. Wouldn't it be nice, again, if we had like a fuel, like your car? You know, you get in your car. I know how much gas I have in my car. I know when I need to get more gas. It's not a mystery. I just get gas when the fuel level low, but our bodies don't work like that. There's way too much going on. And the only thing you can measure is blood glucose. You can't measure insulin at home. You can't measure leptin at home. You know, I do find my glucose level does go really nicely with my hunger level. I want you to try fast and clean and seeing if maybe it does. Maybe you have when my glucose went down, but it, it didn't go forever. My glucose went down, I had a mild hunger wave, then my body kicked it into fat-burning mode, and I went into ketosis, and the hunger was gone. So it feels like maybe keeping your, keeping your blood sugar in that 90 to 100, you know, you're not getting down into the low enough level to really, you're not getting into ketosis, perhaps. Anyway, fast clean, Josephine, and see what happens. And we can't really measure what causes your hunger. You just have to feel it and start, you're the study of one, and figure out what works for you. I love that you said that. What's really interesting about
0: the blood sugar levels is, you know, people could have hunger on, well, they could really have hunger at any blood sugar level, but they could definitely have it at either side of the spectrum because with the hypo for similar reasons, but different, which is really interesting. So they could have it on the low side, especially if they're not in a, you know, ketogenic state. So they are relying more on blood sugar. So if they have two low levels,
2: they're going to be hungry, likely. Oh, yeah, because your fat's not, if you're not fat adapted, you're not going to be able to tap into your fat stores. So you are going to be hangry. So, like, you could have low
0: blood sugar, you know, if you're not in ketosis, be hungry because your body needs fuel and needs sugar. On the flip side, ironically, you could have high blood sugar levels and also be hungry because your cells aren't getting the energy. Like, you know, like the, it's staying in your bloodstream rather than getting into your cells. So it's interesting that it could be a similar cause of hunger on either side of the spectrum
2: yeah that's an excellent point
0: yeah so but yes but i echo what jen said really it's going to be just you have to experience the hunger and see how it correlates to what you're eating how you're fasting what you're doing and learn from there and i I do think the cgm can be a very valuable tool in seeing seeing how your hunger correlates to your blood sugar levels and seeing how your diet affects that and how your fasting affects that
2: but you just got to be a little detective and try all the things It was fascinating to see it. Yeah, on the CGM. Yeah. And like correlate how I felt to what it was doing. And I love that then it just stayed steady, you know, because we hear from people that worry that your blood sugar is just going to go down and crash and crash and burn. But as I went on in the fast, it just stayed so steady, just steady, steady, steady right there in the 70s. I love it.
0: Me too. All righty. Well, thank you, Josephine, for your long questions. So this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at IofPodcast.com or you can go to IofPodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 257. Those show notes will have a full transcript, so definitely check that out. And they'll have links to everything that we talked about. And you can follow us on Instagram. I am Melanie Avalon, Jenna Jen Stevens. And I think that is all the things. Yep, yeah, I think so. So, well... This has been absolutely wonderful. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, nope, I think that's it. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. Theme music by Leland Cox. See you next week.